You're listening to the Expansion Chronicles, a podcast about expansion of startups into the U.S. On this podcast, we talk about the main mistakes that founders make while trying to move from their home turf and build divisions of their companies in the U.S. We try to explain how to avoid these pitfalls and what tools can be helpful in this complicated process. So if you are a founder located outside of America and think of growing your company in the States, this podcast is definitely for you. So let's jump into the episode. And today's guest speaker, we have Dom Maroney, founder and CEO of App City. And in this episode, we'll first of all, of course, talk about the App City and what it does for the startup founders. And then we'll talk about fundraising and moving outside of your homeland and when is the good time to move away from your home city and move to the United States of America. So Dom, let's kick it off by you giving us some background on yourself and on App City. Sure. Thanks for having me. Um, so my name is Don Maroney. Uh, I'm the founder of AppCity.com. Uh, I started my career at Amazon, spent a little over four years there in a variety of uh, roles in the e-commerce business. Um, from there, I went to business school at Harvard, um, where actually instead of uh, doing an internship, which a lot of people do between the first and second year, I did a coding boot camp um, to learn to code. And then after graduating, I founded AppCity as a solo founder. Um, and have built it myself uh, using those skills I learned uh, during business school. Um, and AppCity is basically just an app store for business apps. Think QuickBooks, Zapier, Gusto, Mixpanel, and of course, FirstBase. Um, and basically, we just make it easy to find and buy apps to help you run your business. Um, so you think of like a traditional e-commerce setup, but instead of shopping for hard goods, you're shopping for uh, business software. Perfect. Sounds great. So let's start with that. Let's start with talking about the apps and specifically the most underappreciated, underrated apps for the startup founders, especially those who are just beginning their journey and maybe they cannot find this resource by just Googling, you know, uh, top resources for the startup founders. Uh, can you right. throw in like the top five of your favorite underrated uh, applications for the early stage startup founders? Yeah, I think generally just like, and this is kind of the thesis with AppCity is there's so much good software out there that you can sort of outsource all of the things that um, are not your core product. So if you think of like business operations, accounting, HR and payroll, a CRM to run your sales team, um, probably some uh, tools for, for customer support, like a chatbot or something like that, you can outsource all of those to apps, um, which allows you to kind of focus on your core product, but still have a good experience for customers in the other parts of your business. And frankly, these are sort of the more boring parts of running a business where you have to do accounting, you have to have a, a payroll system. Um, and so being able to sort of outsource those to some of these amazing tools that have been built over the years um, is amazing for a founder. It allows you to stay small, keep your team relatively small and do big things. Uh, and I think going forward, you'll see more and more teams of less than 10 people build really amazing products um, because of all of the things that you can outsource now to apps. And just to name a few, I think in the accounting space, a lot of people like Xero um, or FreshBooks um, and the HR and payroll, it, I think it depends if you're looking for more of a remote workforce deal is really popular. Um, so is another uh, payroll solution called uh, Remote. Um, and then for CRM, CRM is sort of a, a classic category where 
Um, people don't even really know what it is until they start. And you'll quickly find that um, when you have too many contacts to manage, you're like, oh, okay, this is why I need um, a platform to manage all my contacts and follow up and you know have a sales process. Um, traditionally, like uh, Salesforce is the big one, but it's very clunky and I don't think particularly modern. So if you're a new up and coming founder, I would look at something like uh, Pipedrive, uh, Close, or HubSpot. Those three are pretty popular among our customers. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just to name a few. I mean, I would say also lastly, sort of like internal tools um, to help you sort of scale uh, while not having to essentially like code from scratch all your internal tooling, something like Zapier for automation. Um, and there's another tool recently called AppSmith, which is like a drag and, drag and drop tool um, to build internal tools to like automate some backend processes. Um, it's sort of low code is what I would say. So you can, you can code, but you can also do the drag and drop thing. Mm-hmm. The drag and drop solutions are the very best. And yeah, the applications that you mentioned are great. I'm personally getting paid through deal. And I personally not a huge fan of Salesforce, to be honest, but I have to do yeah, this I don't every think anyone single is. day. It's funny. <laughs> I think they have, you know, it's just inertia. They've been around forever and the switching costs for companies that have been using them for a decade plus is very high. It's like deeply integrated. So if you're a new founder, you have the benefit of starting from scratch and buying more modern tools and not getting stuck with some of the old world uh, yes, yes, yes. After I switched over from HubSpot to Salesforce when I changed my uh, jobs, I was like, alrighty. Um, but let's not talk too much crap about <laughs> Salesforce and move <laughs> on and talk a little bit about fundraising. Because on our pre-interview call, you mentioned specifically that you're not a huge fan of fundraising, uh, you know, straight away. And you've suggested quite a few tools that help founders bootstrap it because they're to be fair, they're extremely cheap. A lot of them offer great deals in the beginning, free, uh, you know, six months, et cetera, et cetera. So um, let's talk about not fundraising and especially not fundraising for the founders outside of the United States. The thing that I see a lot there is uh, a lot of founders who live outside of the U.S. believe that in order to expand to the U.S., they need to raise additional funding for that. Can you talk a little more about that? Do you think that's the case or have you seen some successful founders move directly to the U.S. without raising a single dollar? Yeah, I think, you know, generally the the topic around fundraising is is somewhat toxic because there's always the you know, the bootstrappers versus the venture world. Um, and really at the end of the day, I think you should just work backwards from the business that you're founding. And at the end of the day, money is just a tool. And so you should really uh, kind of decide what's right for your given business. I, and I think people are a little quick to raise money these days, because especially given the current market where it's, uh, I, I don't want to say it's easy, but there is a lot of money out there to go uh, potentially raise. Um So I just think for me personally, I think, you know, from my business, like, do we really need money? Not really. Uh, We can build the product um, and do sort of like try to get early traction without raising money. And then you can sort of think of it from a risk perspective too. Like once you take the money, um, you're sort of down this track of uh, its growth at all costs. Um, Whereas I think, for me, at least, I want to get to a default alive stage. So when you start a company, you're default dead. It's not working. You don't have any revenue. <laughs> and so 
unless something changes, you're default dead. And default alive is when you get to profitability and you're self-sustaining. That's when you've built a real business that could um, survive whether you raise money or not. Um, I think for most founders, that is probably the right way to go. Um, different businesses, of course, you have to raise a ton of money if you're building something like SpaceX or you know something that requires a lot of capital investment up front. But for software, where it doesn't really cost much other than the founder's time to build, assuming they're technical, to build something, you can kind of do that, get early traction. And then when things are starting to work, then you can decide. It's like, okay, I, I like where things are going and we're just going to stay small and stay profitable and grow on our own terms. Or this is really working. We should raise money and grow faster. Um, and, you know, I think at that point, you also have more leverage in the conversation with, uh, with investors where you have a working product, mm -hmm. you have customers, you know, you're in a power position at that point. And so you can get better terms as a founder. Whereas Absolutely. if you go with just an idea, um, you kind of, you're, you're going to get sort of the standard market terms that are out there. Um, and then you get on the, the, tre the venture treadmill where you're raising a bunch of rounds and getting diluted with each round. Um, right. So, so yeah, uh, just to close that out, I would just say the last thing is for a founder to think of exit opportunities. When you are unprofitable, your exit opportunities shrink immensely. So like most venture companies that are growing a ton, but they're unprofitable, they either have to raise the next round or some people might say, well, you could always get acquired. It's like, but the only people that are going to acquire you are strategics, meaning like, even though you're unprofitable, this business makes sense within our, you know, strategy or whatever, mm -hmm. which is a much smaller pool of potential buyers than if you're profitable, there are plenty of people that would potentially buy you and the, um, you know, the private equity world in particular won't even look at an unprofitable business for the most part. There, but when you are profitable, you know, you can exit, um, you know, for eight figures yeah. and that can be a great outcome for the founder. Whereas in the venture world, you know, eight figures is, is not a good outcome. And um, so I just think of it from, from that perspective, uh, you can sort of start small, grow, and then take money if you need to at some Absolutely. point. Absolutely. So let's talk about starting small then, shall we? Um, and specifically, let's talk about the costs associated with expanding to the US. Uh, so mm -hmm. your, from your personal experience, I would imagine that you've dealt with quite a few early stage founders who are just starting out. How much does it cost to either expand from another country to the United States or just to you know build your company from the ground up in the United States? So from the beginning where you have absolutely nothing to the point where you have some kind of product that's kind of working, you kind of have sales, you have a company, official legal entity established. How much does that cost in total? Well, I mean, nowadays it's, it's pretty cheap. Um, of course, this assumes a few things that your business um, is, assuming it's a software business, it's very cheap. Um, E-commerce is a little bit different because you have to buy sort of the upfront inventory. Um, other businesses that involve like hardware would, would obviously be different, but like assuming a, uh, a software oriented business, 
you can incorporate with something like first base, you know, for 400 bucks. Um, so you can have your legal entity pretty quickly. Um, and then frankly, all you really need is hosting and, and a few other, you know, tools just to like spin up your website. Um, and then of course, as you start to grow, you might tack on additional apps like HubSpot for your CRM, um, or you're going to start hiring people. So you'll use something like deal to manage all of that. Um, I really believe that it's a great time to start a company because it is so cheap to get started. Um, and assuming you're a software business to expand to another market, uh, should be fairly trivial. Um, assuming your product doesn't need to change in any significant way, internationalization is also becoming easier with some dev tools. Um, so I just think that I wouldn't even really necessarily think about, you know, do I need money to expand to the US? It's more, you know, start small within your, wherever you're comfortable and where your product most resonates. And then, you know, that might be starting in the United States or it might be starting in your home country. Um, and then when you feel like either growth, you need more growth or you're looking to, to grow more aggressively than maybe expanding into another market. Um, I think that's sort of the right way to think about it. And the incremental cost, uh, you know, if you want a US entity, you know, you might pay 400 bucks and then there might be a few other legal expenses, but I, I believe it's under a thousand dollars. You should be able to expand to the US. Um, but generally I would, I would sort of just think from like your product and your target customers, you know, where's the right market to start? And then you can always kind of grow out from there. Absolutely. So first of all, yes, I think that's a pretty accurate estimate. Under a thousand dollars, it's very much doable with all the tools available, with all the great deals that those uh, tool providers are offering. That is very much doable. And if you make plenty of research and you have some free time to work on it yourself, then you can definitely create all of this from the ground up in under a thousand dollar budget. 21st century is kind of awesome. So let's all enjoy yes. it for a second. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about expanding specifically outside of the United States to the United States. That's been a conversation for me for over three years that I've been in the startup world. And a lot of founders are asking, you know, should I just start building the company right in the United States so I don't have to deal with the expansion? Should I start growing my company in my home country where it's kind of cheaper to do it? And then mm -hmm. once I prove the concept, I'm going to move to the United States. And, you know, after all those years of these conversations, I still don't have an answer. So question to you, Dom, do you have a take on that? Do you think that founders who are listening to this right now should just go for it and build a company from the ground up in the United States? Or should they go with the expansion model where they start building a company in their homeland and then they expand to the United States once they prove the, uh, once they reach the proof of concept stage of it? Yeah, it's a good question. I think, um, Generally, obviously, the upside of the United States is such a huge market. Um, so I, can, I get the appeal of wanting to immediately go to the United States. I really kind of go back to what I said earlier about becoming default alive. Um, if you can get to early profitability in your home country, and that's easier and cheaper, do that and then expand. Because really, at the end of the day, like, you just want to get to the point where you won't quit. 
Um, and so the best way to get there is to become profitable, to be able to support yourself and your employees and, um, and, you know, maybe, maybe raise money to do that as well. Um, but assuming you didn't raise money, you know, getting to profitability would be important. And so if your market is, um, potentially big enough to support, uh, a technology company and you can try to find peers in your market that have done it. Um, if you aren't finding any peers, then maybe that's your answer that the, the market isn't quite ready to support your business. And then maybe you look to either a neighboring country or you could start in the US at that point. But generally I would say just like, it's almost, I don't even know if you should like make that decision purely based on like home country versus US. It's more like, I wanna to get to profitability, what is gonna help me get there the fastest? Um, and obviously your product, what you're building will might dictate what country you start in. Um, but I do think it is easier than ever to expand to the US um, with not too much expense. So, you know, if you don't start in the US, it's not like you, that's not a, that door is not closed. You can certainly mm -hmm. expand to the US whenever you're ready. Right. Yes, absolutely. On this kind of, I believe, optimistic note, let's move on to the very last question of today's episode. And that is a call to action. So Dom, what do you want the listeners to do as soon as this episode is over? Go to appcity.com slash first base, and you'll see our starter kit for um, apps that you can pair with first base after you incorporate to, to start your company. Um, Basically, that'll give you a good overview of what AppCity is and um, essentially what we're trying to do. We're trying to make it easy for founders to start a company and find the best apps to help them run their company. Um, it's as simple as that. And if you go to appcity.com slash first base, you'll see a, a little starter kit for uh, anyone that wants to incorporate with first base. Perfect. Great call to action. And yes, toolkits are awesome. Remember how... At some point of this episode, I mentioned that you have to have some free time to research and find the best deals. That's what AppCity does for you. So people, if you don't want to deal too much with research and finding all the best tools, just check out the links that I will leave in the description of this episode and enjoy building the company. And as usually, of course, have a good day.